Hello and welcome to episode 345 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This show is going to air on Monday, April 11th, which means you've got a couple weeks still um, to decide whether you want to register for the June 2022 LSAT. The deadline for that is Wednesday, April 27th. You don't really need to make any decisions now. You can look at your practice scores on April 25th and you can decide whether those are good enough to justify registering for the June test. Probably got to be within like 10 points to justify a registration. Upcoming cool stuff. We've got a free class coming up um, on Saturday, May 14th, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's called How to Get a Law Job You Love with Rachel Gezersay. She was just on uh, the last episode of Thinking LSAT. She's awesome. Uh, she's going to teach a whole free class on networking your way into a law job. I got nothing but good things to say about that book and about her. So again, Saturday, May 14th, and registration for that is open now. You just need a demon free account. Go to lsat.link slash Rachel, and you can uh, register for that class. Come see me. I teach a free class every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's we, I call it my study group, mostly just Q&A. You can talk to me about anything you want. Demon free account, lsatdemon.com. Register for that class. Today on the show, we, boy, we had a bunch of interesting emails. What, what do you remember that stood out? We don't have to go through all of them, but what, what do you think was specifically or helpful? Bunch of LSAT content right at the top. Yeah, we did. Um, we talked about reading the first sentence and reading comprehension and focusing on that. Um, also just trying to, what it takes to break down an argument in logical reasoning and understand it. We advise somebody who has a 175 on record to be greedy and take it again. Yep. There you go. <laughs> we had a weird email about somebody who's already taken the LSAT seven times and is like uh, kind of getting warned by the Office of Test Security uh, about violating the TTL <laughs> test taking limits. The test taking limit. Yeah. They have that was an acronym for it. Yeah. yeah. We gave advice on somebody who's weighing different scholarship offers and wants to get into big law. We had a lengthy email, a uh, long discussion from our favorite, well, second favorite law school dean, uh, David Fegman from my alma mater, UC Hastings. That's always good times. Yeah. Before we um, get into all of that, though, Ben, do you want to talk about this new uh, discount program for pre-law societies? Yeah. So a lot of pre-law societies um, get discounts with other companies, <laughs> including Kaplan, which we just can't stand and so forth. And we, we don't know how all these deals work, but we want to just give those options to all of you. So if you have a pre-law group and you can get the demon listed on your website along with these whatever other offers you got going, we'll give you and everyone else in your group 25% off the first month of any demon plan that you end up doing. You just have to email us at help at lsatdemon.com once you get that going. Yeah. All we want is equal billing. We do not want exclusivity. Uh, I have been told in the past at some law schools or some uh, undergraduate schools, some pre-law mm -hmm. societies have been like, oh, no, because we have a, an exclusive deal with we only get this deal with Princeton Review or whatever. I don't know if it's specifically Princeton. I've heard it. For, uh, Princeton Kaplan. Those are the most crap companies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we get we, so we get these deal. This is an exclusive deal. We can't we can't list any other prep provider. Fuck that. That deal is not doing your school any favors. 
And yeah. we're never going to offer deals like that. We're, we do not want exclusivity. We just want yeah. equal billing. So if you can get us on your pre-law group's website, so talk to the president of your pre-law society and get our discount listed on your website. If you email us, we can probably give you some boilerplate and some links or whatever, but help at lsatdemon.com. And we'll get listed with you guys. And then we'll give everybody in your group 25% off their first month with the demon that's on yep. any plan. It's we don't think, you know, by the way, you've heard about these, like, uh, what do they call it? Ambassadors. Mm. Mm-hmm. Kaplan will anoint one of your, your president <laughs> of your pre-law society as the ambassador for Kaplan LSAT prep. Yeah. And then that person will end up getting a free Kaplan class. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, again, fuck that. Like that's just one of you getting a benefit that the rest of you are not getting. And in fact, it's keeping the rest of you from getting our 25% off offer mm-hmm. um, or even exposed to us to begin with. So um, anyway, hopefully we can level the playing field by getting listed alongside these other big players. We're the yep. little guy, but we want to, um, we just want a fair shot. Yep. Again, if you have any questions about that or need help, just email help at lsaddemon.com and we'll go from yep. there. All right. On to the show. Why don't you go ahead and take this first email then? Okay. This is from Angel. Hi, LSAD Demon. I've been studying for the LSAT for a month with a month left to go. My diagnostic was a 160. And I'm currently hitting a consistent 167 or so range. My logical reasoning will range anywhere from minus two to minus seven. And while I understand the idea behind conclusions and premises and assumptions, when I look at a sentence, it just looks like a sentence. It feels like I'm raw dogging it. I'm getting a bit better at thinking through the links, but all the question types feel just like questions. Should there be more calculated a more calculated approach? Am I just missing something? Thanks. Love your podcast. What do you think? I <laughs> I I feel like someone is I don't know. I what what do you think? I'm confused. I think Angel doesn't know that word raw dogging was really not appropriately used <laughs> in that spot. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, you want to look that up angel on, uh, like urban dictionary. Um, because (laughs) that seems like a strange choice. Um, anyway, I, uh, (laughs) my, my, my thought was, um, you think you understand. I don't know. I understand the idea behind conclusions and premises And then she weirdly throws in and assumptions. You understand the idea behind them. Like that actually sounds like you, you don't, right. That sounds like someone who says, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get, um, the division, but no, you don't like do you need to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you definitely don't need a more calculated approach. You also don't need to think about question types. Like she, she goes, she's got, She's got a lot of random ideas about logical reasoning in her head. Yeah. The one thing she doesn't say is like, she never says the word argument. Mm-hmm. Right. And angel, you're, you need to call bullshit on the arguments. 
Like you need to spot something like a very strange word choice, like raw dogging it in the middle of that email and go, what now? <laughs> you you feel like, what? Are you sure that you, I'm not sure that is really what you, what? Most arguments on the LSAT are bullshit. They're going to provide you some evidence. That's the premises. They're going to provide you uh, a conclusion. That's That's the bullshit part. That's the part that they're trying to prove. And you need to yell at them about why their evidence does not prove their conclusion. Yeah. In other words, what assumptions are they making to get to that conclusion that they shouldn't be making? Right. Those are your three parts that you just talked about. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. But it shouldn't just be like, oh, that's a conclusion. That's a premise. I can see that you made the assumption and then start like weirdly thinking about question type. You need to react to the argument. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing you're missing here. You're it's like I, I got to tell you, logical reasoning is an easy, fun game if you do it right. I mean, it, it's like delightful logical reasoning. You just you get to be the dick that but people think I am in real life. I'm not. But, you know, you, you get to just continually tell them that they're full of shit. Like, even if I grant you this, I don't have to grant you that conclusion shut the fuck up. This evidence does not support that conclusion. And I'm going to mm -hmm. yell at you about why. And that's mm -hmm. the game that you're playing on LSAT logical reasoning if you're doing it right. And you're going to turn hard questions into easy questions by doing that. Yeah. And, and the question types, they matter because if they didn't matter, we would never mention them. But they only matter after you've already reacted like that to the argument. If there's an argument there, you need to react. Then you can worry about whether you're strengthening or weakening or identifying a necessary assumption or a sufficient assumption or just identifying mm -hmm. the conclusion of the argument or whatever. I, all those questions. Yeah, they, it's they're different. They're not asking you the same question over and over and over. Yeah. They're asking you different questions. And there's something to be learned from thinking about question types. But it's a secondary issue. The first issue is you've got to start having some kind of a reaction to these arguments. That's the most important thing. Uh, Angel, I think that's what you're missing on logical reasoning. Cool. All right. Next one here is from Jared says, Hey, Ben and Nathan, I loved Ben's recent advice on reading comprehension. My job is to focus on the first sentence, then the second sentence and so on. Do you want to say it again, uh, Ben? Sure. Your, your job in reading comprehension is not to read the passage and understand the passage. It's to read the first sentence and understand that first sentence. Okay. And then yeah. what would you say if it's a seven line, four different comma clauses, <laughs> really nasty first sentence? What are you going to tell what yeah. are you say then? Then your, your job is to read and understand the first part of that sentence, the first clause, wherever you start to feel the sentence getting away from you. I mean, it, and it happens a lot in reading comprehension because the LSAT writers are doing something, and I think they're doing it deliberately. They take verbs and they turn them into nouns. They make the writing a little bit more abstract. It's not the kind of writing we use. It's not the kind of language we typically use when we're talking to our friends. Yep. Right? And so sometimes you can only read half a sentence and you're like, whoa, 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 wait. I can see the different elements in there, but I need to unpack them and really get my mind yep. around about who is doing what to whom. Yeah. They take two sentences and turn it into one sentence. Mm -hmm. 
They take three sentences and turn it into one sentence. They take a whole damn argument and turn it into one sentence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this happens not just on reading comp, but also on logical reasoning. Yeah. One thing that we say a lot about reading comp is that if you want to get better at reading comp and you're good at logical reasoning, you should treat reading comp more like logical reasoning. And that what we mean by that is in logical reasoning, we've taught you this attacking approach and, you know, you're calling bullshit like we want Angel to do. When you learn how to do that, then you should be looking to do that on the reading comp as well, because those, you know, you don't have to agree with the passage. You have to notice with the passage, you have to understand the passage. And so this aggressive mindset of attacking it, it can be really useful. But mm-hmm. this idea that Jared is so happy about the, you know, hey, don't worry about the whole passage. Worry about the first sentence. That idea does also carry back into logical reasoning. I yeah. was writing an explanation just yesterday where I found myself, I was like, well, the first half of the first sentence means blah, blah, blah. And I found myself like explaining it. Yeah. The second half of the first sentence means blah, blah, blah. If we combine the first half of the first sentence with the second half of the first sentence, we can infer that. And so what I'm doing there is I, I'm doing exactly what Jared thinks is so useful on reading comp mm-hmm. to break it down, take it one bite at a time. I like this metaphor of chewing your food, you know, <laughs> but just don't just shove more in. Yeah. You've got to be understanding it as you go and, yeah. and then it'll get easier anyway. Yeah. So Jared is complimenting you on this uh, reading comp advice. I agree. Thanks. This idea of focusing on the first sentence reminded me of a Will Smith quote that I read recently. Hmm. Timely, timely (laughs) Will Smith reference. I I, I don't know if Jared is like fishy. He doesn't end up making a joke here, which is like, I'm not sure if Jared has paid any attention to the news. But anyway. But did Jared email this before? The no, Oscars? it came in after the Oscars. So, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, it's confusing. But he he's just going ahead and citing Will Smith as this uh, guru. Um, okay. Anyway, so Will Smith says, "You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid." You do that every single day, and soon you will have a wall. I um, There are things I like about this quote, and there are things I don't like about this quote. Well, to the extent that we interpret it to mean exactly the same thing that you already said better. Yeah. Then it's fine. <laughs> but otherwise, I don't know. We don't need to talk about wall- walls are canceled anyway. We don't need to talk about building walls. You immediately seem like a dumbass when you start talking about building a wall. So... Uh, anyway, what don't you like about this wall analogy? Well, when I'm telling people, Hey, your job is not to read and understand the entire passage. Your job is to read and understand the first sentence that is with the goal in mind of eventually reading the entire passage. And in fact, answering the questions and finishing, hopefully at some point the section, right? Or maybe you may not finish the section, but the the point here is that I have this larger goal, which is to do well on the LSAT. <laughs> and then how do I accomplish that goal? Well, I come down to the smallest bite size, to go back to your analogy, step, right? And then I take it. This idea, you don't set out to build a wall. 
You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that has ever been built. Yeah, I think you kind of do. You say, hey, look, this yeah. is the direction I want to go. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, you know. do. You do need to have a fucking plan for the wall. Like you, you, you don't just like, it's not like, oh, I've got a, this brick here. I'm going to put a brick. I'm going to lay it. it as perfectly as I can. It's like, you right. can step back after a year and be like, whoa, like that's a strange ass wall. <laughs> I got a lot of, it's not even a wall <laughs> collection of bricks over here. These are looking good. They don't do they anything. They look really nice, but why are they over on my neighbor's yard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Jared is interpreting Will Smith's sage advice to just mean exactly what Ben, you already said, which is don't get overwhelmed by the whole passage. Mm -hmm. Read one sentence at a time or read the first half of the first sentence. Make sure yeah. you understand that. Then move on to the whole first sentence. Then move on to the next sentence before you try to do too much. And this advice is useful for both reading comp and for logical reasoning. You know, so many people read the whole argument, then try to think about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, if we're doing it properly, we mm -hmm. frequently halfway through the argument, we we've already spotted their big problem or we have anticipated their big problem. Yeah. We're already objecting to the argument. We're already answering the question halfway through the argument on reading comp or sorry, on logical reasoning. And y'all aren't like the students aren't um, mm -hmm. novices, like any, anybody below 160, it by and large isn't. You're like, well, let me get through the whole pass. Let me get through the whole argument. Mm hmm. And then I'll think about it. And it's like, no, no, there's an easier way. You, you got you to gotta be tuning in. You got to be understanding what they're doing and trying to follow along as you go. And frequently, you're going to be spotting the bullshit halfway through uh, that argument. So one brick at a time. Fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that much I agree with, Jared. Thank you for sharing this yes. quote. I just something about the quote is like general advice didn't seem right. But um, well, Will Smith is clearly a dumbass, too. So bringing him up right now is <laughs> just, maybe Jared was kind of intentionally fishing for that attack. But uh, Will Smith, that, how can he not be canceled? He hit a dude at work. <laughs> Chris Rock was at work That was a comedian at work. He's there to make jokes. He made a bald joke. Is it insensitive? Fine. Is it a bad joke? Fine. How many bald jokes have there been in the history of the Oscars? Probably a million. Yeah. Like, it's a fucking joke. I mean, the, the whole thing is wrong on so many levels. He also laughed at the joke. So the, the whole then <laughs> I'm going to go after you for this insensitive joke is. is no, physically assault. Bizarre. Yeah. If he would have yeah. sat there yelling, he would have just been an asshole going up yeah. on stage and hitting him. <laughs> Come on. All right. Anyway, um, next, uh, next email. This one's you. Hello, Ben and Nathan. I am once again asking for your advice. The last time I emailed into the podcast, I had gone from a 144 diagnostic to an official 172. Nice. Wow. Good job, Spencer. I retook it in March because I knew I could do better. I, and there we go. Being greedy. Um, I got my score back today and received a 175. I was practice testing consistent 179, 180s going into the test, but the data is partially flawed because I have completed every released practice test. My last fresh practice test was in January where I got a 179. Should I get greedy and retake for the 177 plus I wanted? 
or walk away content. I'm unable to retake until August due to cycle limits. Look, if you're willing to take it, I would say just go take it. Why not? It's not going to hurt. It seems to me that there's only upside. Yeah. They're going to report your highest score to the ABA. The U.S. News is going to use your highest score when they release the rankings. Uh, By the way, new rankings are out. We can talk about that briefly. LSAT is an important part of those rankings. Law schools are seemingly more concerned with ever more concerned than ever with their U.S. News ranking. And they're going to pay you for a couple clicks higher. They're going to pay you. I would go to LSATdemon.com slash scholarships, Spencer, and play around a little bit. See what difference it makes. You know, 175 is going to get you some pretty good offers, but 177 or eight or nine, you know, you're going to probably see offers opening up at places that they weren't previously there. And yeah, I'd, I, I'd, I'd love to know what Spencer's GPA is, too, because it makes the higher Spencer's GPA is the more of a difference that <laughs> these last few points would make, too, because he's in contention at these highest schools, right? Where if your GPA is low enough, you're not even in contention at these at these uh, top. Yeah, ironically, high, high, yeah. high LSAT is even more important for people who have high GPA because it opens the door to the truly elite schools. Not, not to say that it's not important for people at lower levels of GPA. It's just that when you have a GPA that's super low enough, you're mm-hmm. you're just probably not getting into the top, top, top schools. Um that's not to say it's impossible. There are extraordinary cases that get into those schools with low GPAs, but mostly not. So Nathan, um, Spencer takes it again. He looks like a gunner. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That's exactly what they want. They want worker bees. They want people who are going to be overprepared. They want Mm -hmm. crazy people like successful lawyers. the, The ones who are really killers are just absolutely insane. They're, they're, they have an insane work ethic. They are dedicated to winning at all costs. They're not looking for fucking personality. They're looking for killers. They want people who are going to win. And Spencer, if you take it again and get a 174, then it doesn't matter. If you take it again and get a 177, then they get to report you as a 177. Yep. And so they, they have to, the schools that are playing the game with any kind of savvy at all, have to recognize that it is good that you took it again. And we've sent people to Yale who took it five times. We've sent people to all schools all across the country on full rides who took it five times. There's just no reason not to take it. Yes. (laughs) Be greedy, Spencer. Yeah. All right. This next, this next uh, situation is kind of weird. Hi, Ben and Nathan, longtime lurker here. Just wanted to write in with two things to talk about. LSAC is now ramping up test security on people who take the test too many times without applying to law school, perhaps to weed out test prep companies that send in their employees to take the tests, only speculating. I've taken the LSAT a few times, but never applied to law school and just got an email requiring a response. See the email below, exclamation point. So this longtime listener who is trying to take, so here's this email from LSAC. Hmm. Dear Mr. Blank, in reviewing the records of those who have registered for the April 2022 LSAT administration, we noticed that you have taken the test seven, parentheses, seven, 
oh times. Boy, that's lawyerly. <laughs> don't do that, by the way. Yeah. Don't I even don't... do that in your contracts. That's something that we edited out of uh, transactional drafting okay, agreements. This is, ben used to teach legal writing to lawyers, and yeah. he would edit that out of legal writing. Yeah, because it creates confusion, because even though people are <laughs> trying to do it to clarify, they're like, I just wrote the word seven. I wrote it out as a word, and I want to use the number seven right next to it to clarify that's what I meant. You end up creating confusion because no one ever does that in normal life. And then it starts like, yeah, fucking things up. There's nothing unclear about the word seven. I know. <laughs> or the numeral seven. Yeah. Choose You're one. not making it more clear by putting both. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we noticed that you have taken the test seven, seven times within the last five, five <laughs> testing years and have not yet applied to law school. We understand that every individual situation is different, but we must also take necessary steps to maintain the integrity of the LSAT and provide a fair and equitable testing program for all test takers. Fair and equitable. Hmm. Pretty sure you could just go with either one of those instead of yeah. both. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, with each LSAT, you signed a certifying statement confirming that you are taking the test for the exclusive purpose of applying to law school. To ensure your commitment to that purpose, we require that you respond to this email in writing. And then they give a deadline and they explain, they ask him to explain why you registered to take it again. And then they threaten that they will withdraw his registration if he doesn't explain to them. This is coming from the Office of Test Security. Interesting. And the email is test security at lsec.org. Okay. Test security wow. at lsec.org. Yeah. So it is a thing that there's a, they, they actually eventually enforce a limit. Uh, by the way, the official restrictions are three times within one cycle, which resets every August, five times in up to five years. And then apparently there's a lifetime maximum of something more than that, which hardly anybody ever gets to, but. Al has been at this for a number of years, apparently, long enough that the restrictions have actually changed over time. And so uh, it looks like um, L is now going at it for like an eighth time, potentially. Yeah. And it's OK, because some of those attempts probably didn't count. So. Right. And there, well, there was also there was no restriction for a while. Remember? Yeah. It, it yep. used no to be like a hard yeah. maximum of three times period. Mm -hmm. And then they got rid of that for a while and they've changed their mind a bunch of different times. So, <laughs> so, you know, L is <laughs> grandfathered in probably anyway, uh, L wrote them back and said, no, I do indeed attend to apply to law school. And they responded and they said, dear blank, we will allow you to continue with your registration for the April 2022 LSAT. However, LSAC asks that you also take the appropriate steps in starting the application process. If you are truly interested in applying to law school, including purchasing the credential assembly service, requesting your academic transcripts, and requesting letters of recommendation. If we do not see that these additional steps are taken, you may not be permitted to test in the future. Additionally, please understand that we do have testing limitations on the LSAT to ensure fairness and protect the integrity of the test. More information regarding our, oh wow, test taking limit, capitalized, <laughs> TTL, policy. I've never heard that yeah. before. The TTL. Yeah. Okay. I like the that. The TTL policy. Okay. we got the TTL policy can be found here. Uh, we wish you well in your pursuit of a legal education. Kind regards. Office of Test Security. So, um, yeah, I'm not, L wanted us to like talk shit about that, but 
I'm not going to talk shit about that at all, because if they're going to have a limit, they should enforce that limit. And uh, they they don't want, you know, there's like these douche LSAT teachers who take every single administration of the test so that they can like trumpet how many 180s they got as if that's it matters at all to your ability to teach. Yeah. yeah um, we've seen those. We've seen those like. They post their scorecard <laughs> on the internet for who gives to a fuck. <laughs> like that is not impressive. Uh, can you help other people do that? Yeah. What? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, my question for for because okay, so I do want to go back to this point two that L made uh, earlier, which I had skipped early. I had skipped it, but L says that uh, he or she had had a perfect GRE on record, but that perfect GRE went away because it was taken back in 2013. Hmm. And so he could, he or she could retake the GRE. Yeah. But not every school accepts the GRE. Also, it doesn't look like you're in a, like a serious law school applicant. Also, they don't give scholarships for GREs. As far as we know, uh, so the GRE is not really actually viable. If you already have a killer GRE on record, then you could go ahead and apply with it. But like taking the GRE with the intention of going to law school is not smart. Mm -hmm. So L says, so I'm still trying to push my 165 LSAT higher. Any advice for L? What are you thinking right now? I have an idea what you're thinking. Well, I would love to know what L's practice test scores are. It sounds like L has one more shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, or I don't know if L actually does the credential assembly service, uploads transcripts, uploads letters of recommendation, then they'll stop. Then, you know, they're going to go, oh, OK, because I mean, they like want to know who L is now. They want to see these letters. They want to see the transcripts. They want to know that it looks like L is actually a serious law school applicant. Mm -hmm. And as long as L hasn't violated their TTL in other ways, then, mm -hmm. I, you know, maybe L has multiple shots at it. But what's your point? I know what your point is, but go you, ahead and say Well, it. okay, so however many shots you have left, right, it, it, it is a limited number. And I would much rather you be scoring where you want to be scoring than burn these up. It sounds like you're, you're, you like taking official tests. I mean, you've taken seven of them already. <laughs> so... Yeah, but it sounds to me like you're just trying to get lucky on the test. Mm. Like, I would like to know what your it's possible that your practice tests are in the 170s and you've just underperformed on seven official LSATs. Mm -hmm. uh, that's possible. Um, it's not that likely, though. It's more yeah. likely that your practice tests were in the 160s and you were like, shooting for 170 on the official test, even though your practice tests weren't there. In which case, you know, that's magical thinking. Like you're just not, I don't know, like don't take the official test until your practice tests show that you're ready. Yeah. That's our constant advice. And you've been listening to the podcast for four years, so that shouldn't be a surprise. My other bit of advice is, are you sure law school is really the, are, like, you had a perfect GRE at one point. You're probably like good at math. Yeah. Why are you trying to battle with people who are verbal specialists? And not good at math. <laughs> right. 
well, where math is like largely irrelevant. I mean, yeah. it's, it's relevant to a point. Like you, you have to be, you know, you can't just be like, if you're like a complete dummy in math, then I, I don't, I don't, that doesn't bode well for your legal future. <laughs> like you've got to be Absolutely. able to understand basic, you know, concepts of math, but like, okay. Calculus. No. Yeah. You don't have to be good at calculus. You don't have to be super killer at algebra, but if you are like really good at mathematical problem solving, those skills are largely wasted on the LSAT. I mean, per, they're completely wasted on the LSAT and they're largely wasted in law school and in legal practice. And so it's like, wow, you're, you're going to just sort of forsake those skills. And then you're going to go do battle with people who apparently have stronger verbal skills than you do. Yeah. Like the GRE verbal is easy. Yeah. Compared to the LSAT, it's super easy. Trust me, I, I scored 99th percentile on the GRE verbal. I scored 99th percentile on the um, GMAT verbal. Like those, those are just easier verbal tests. But I did not score 99th percentile on the GRE math. And like it was dumb for me to go. I, I, I wasted my brain capacity by going to law school and I was able to score 179 on the LSAT. It was yeah. still dumb for me to go down that path when I could have used my math brain instead. Cause it's like, just, I don't know, you differentiate yourself against, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I agree actually. So your, <laughs> your comments reminded me of what I was just reading. So I read the book essentialism, I guess I yeah. recommend it to you. You read it and, and then you <laughs> mentioned it on the last podcast or a podcast or two ago. So I started rereading it again Good. just yesterday. And I got to the part where he talks about being in law school. So he was in law school in England and I had forgotten this story. And he came back to a friend's wedding in the United States. And his friend said to him, if you decide to stay in the U.S., we'd be happy to help you, you know, happy to have you join my company or something like that. And what struck him is that his friend was assuming that choosing to stay in the U.S. and not go back to law school was even an option. He had just assumed that he had to go back, that he was in law school, right? He had to continue down that path. Yeah. But one of the things he had done just before that, or I don't know if he did it then, but he asked himself, what is he most like doing? And he put together a list. And one of the things that was not on the list was law school. And he had this realization that he's like, wait, here's all these things I want to do. Uh, right now I am doing law school. And because I'm doing it, I feel like I have to continue doing it. But this friend saying, hey, if you decide to stay, made him realize he, that was a choice he could make, and he ended up leaving law school. Yeah. But anyways, the, the point of that story is that so many people, right, we tell them, hey, you don't have to pursue a legal career, and they feel like we're telling people to give up or to you know say no to their dreams, and it's like, is it really your dream? Is this really what you want to do? Well, but I've taken it seven times. Yeah. <laughs> See, but that doesn't answer the question. Yeah. I'm not asking you how many times you've taken it. I'm not asking you how much I'm not asking you to add up the sunk costs. Like, is this something that you love? Is this something that you're, that is promising for you? And is this something that the world needs? Does the world right. need Can you, you to do paid this for it? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it, like, we're not telling people to give up on their true dreams. We're telling people to give up on false dreams. Mm hmm or 
or, or we're, we're telling societally imposed dreams, right? right dreams, exactly. Dreams that have come to you, not because you have embraced them. You're like, yeah, I want to do the kind of work that attorneys do. No, instead you like the idea of being a lawyer or, or you your like families look. Yeah. Or your family likes the idea of you going to law school and doing something like becoming an attorney or a doctor or just something like that loose notion of like success. And it's like, Okay, what do you want to get up and do? Is law school on that list? You want to get up and you want to do the things that law school students do? <laughs> or do you just want to be a law student because that sounds impressive or cool or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I I would uh I would start trying to open doors that seem like they might be more willing to open for you. I'm not telling L specifically to give up 165 on record is not a bad, you know, that's not a bad score, but like you, um, I don't know, taking it this many times and continually bashing your head against it. And like, like, I, I don't know, there's. And, and not bashing your head against the GRE, man, you take all the LSAT test takers out there and you ask them to go take the GRE, even in the high scores, how many of them would get perfect? <laughs> Right, the game, the math might mess them up, and they hardly would do anybody. Well. We yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, but like I'll fuck you up on the LSAT every time. But I, yeah. I, I, like, and I, I've got a 99th percentile GRE on record, but I, I wouldn't be able to score perfect on the GRE. Yeah, like maybe potentially ever, I'd have to go back and like I'd have to study more math than I ever studied. You know, I, yeah. I, it, it would. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's just. That's that's just odd, um, strange choice. Because 165 is not that's not uh, that's not even close to the 99th percentile. I'm not sure that that is that even the 90th percentile. Probably not anymore. Mm, yeah, it's close to the 90th, but it might be like 85 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You're just like there's a lot of people who are kicking your ass on the LSAT. You got to think about the competition, right? It's not just you and the test. It's like there's all these other people out there who are, who are already just killing you on this test. And you're going to go have to sit shoulder to shoulder with them in law school. And then for the rest of your life as lawyers, I don't know, like maybe there are other arenas that you <laughs> would be like, just, you'd be the number one killer in mm -hmm. the room. Good on you for, you know, continuing to try and wanting to be the number one killer. But I, I would be focusing on practice tests before I keep taking official tests. That doesn't make any sense. All right. Um, let's do this uh, next email here from M. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I had a pretty great cycle thanks to the demon. I increased my score by 16 points and broke into the 170s with the demon. But now I need to decide where to go. I would love to hear your thoughts. I've narrowed down my options to four schools. I've already attempted to negotiate. So these are the final scholarship amounts. Huh. final i don't know there's always there's always room yeah i mean you sent this email in in march yeah. you don't know what the final scholarship amounts are i've heard stories of people withdrawing applications and then getting a call from the admission dean of admissions saying actually we we found more money for you mm -hmm. so the negotiation isn't over until you're like in the middle of your first semester of law school the, it doesn't have to be over you could give up any time yeah. 
But, you know, the, the fact that they they have convinced you that these are the final scholarship amounts, but you've got four offers on the table. There ain't no negotiation over until you say it's over. Yep. Until you decide. Until you decide. Negotiations are still in play. Um, I'm going to read the last paragraph really quick just to give us some context here. M Good. says, I'm not interested in public interest work. I'm hoping to do big law. I'm leaning towards USC because of the money and location. What are your thoughts on these schools with these scholarships? And here are the four schools. I do like that M is focusing on cost of attendance as opposed to the scholarship amount. And I do like that um, M has given us big law placement. I wonder if the You're cost welcome, of- You're welcome because I had to email M back to oh. say, like, <laughs> I don't want just the scholarship amount. I want yeah. how much it's oh, going to okay. cost you, you to, to go there. <laughs> And if you're so interested in big law, then I want you to look up the big law placement. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, everybody out there, I want you to email shit like this. We're happy to talk about it on the show. Email help at thinkinglset.com. But before you do, <laughs> bear in mind that the email is coming to me and I'm going to say, hey, did you go look like I, I don't give a shit what the nominal scholarship is. I care how much it's going to cost you to go there. And I am very interested in big law placement if you're interested in big law placement, which, by the way, those are the lawyers that actually make money. So if you want to make money and you want to go into big law, then it's public record. You can go to NALP or what? Above the, sorry, you can go to um, God Law School Transparency and you can look up. Kyle's going to kill me. Um, you, can, you can go to Law School Transparency and you can look up the big law placement. You got to do that work. Then ask us for advice. Yeah. I did have a question about this cost of attendance. Is this like cost of living too, do you think? Or I think so. Yes. Okay. Okay. So none of these are zero, but that's because they include fees plus yeah, living because, and so Yeah, forth. because I think M said that it was like a ninety percent scholarship to USC. So okay, okay. that's not just that's not ten percent. Well that's USC's even tuition. I mean that's good. So so when you look at the living expenses, you're looking at your true expenses, right? You're not hiding them in some like <laughs> You know, yeah. unaddressed thing. Okay. Anyway, that so, said, it's not like the cost of living is that dramatically different. I mean, you can live cheaply uh, or you can live richly. Maybe it's twice as much in LA as it is in. No, I'm not as the concerned. South Sorry. I'm not as concerned about the differences in cost of living between one place and another. I agree with you. I'm, I would probably generally assume they're very close to each other, but. I think people just need to be aware of them. You're going oh, to th- school. That's part of the cost of law school. Yes. Yes. It's a fixed cost. You could consider it a fixed cost. I, I don't really need you to look up the difference between rent in, um, you know, Austin versus the rent in Los Angeles, whatever. It's different, but it's not so different that it really matters. And yet Ben says, but you do have to pay rent and buy food and have a car probably and pay utilities and all that shit while you're in law school and that you're going to have, that's going to add up for three years and you're going to borrow that money. And so you should be looking at the total. Okay, good. Yeah. There's a cost to going to law school as opposed to continuing to work and paying for these things as part of your life. Good. Right. Yeah. That's all. Okay, cool. So Cornell, $65,000 a year cost of attendance, and a 72% big law placement, okay? Vanderbilt is uh, $48,000 a year and a 48% big law placement. I mean, if I had to compare those two, I would say 
I would take Cornell just because it, it does seem like it has a significant increase in big law placement with, you know, you're only adding $18,000 of, of debt total. Mm-hmm. Um, I think $18,000 total, it, it would be over three years, $18,000 total for a 20% higher big law placement rate. Uh, that seems like it's worth it. Yeah. Oh, that so said, the, oh, wait, wait. So it's not 65 a year. It's, this is total. This is right. Like, this awesome. is total. Oh, awesome. if this was per year, then you should yeah. deny all these offers. I mean, these are, yeah. these are not good offers yeah, 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 if yeah. it's per year. Okay, good, good. So <laughs> yeah, $18,000 to get, you know, 22%, no, 20, 24% more chance at getting big law. That yeah. seems definitely worth it. Yeah, this is great. So let's treat this like a logical reasoning question. We've knocked out the second choice. We're keeping answer choice A open right now. I think so, yeah. Yeah. The third option is University of Texas. That's uh, 35000 total for a 50, uh, 45% chance at big law. $30,000 less, but a 25% less chance at big law. Even more, a 30% chance. So... Well, None of these offers are, are are like totally killer. Get to the last one though. Yeah, USC, which is the one that M was leaning towards, is thirty seven thousand and a sixty two percent chance at Big Law. Uh, that that does seem like the best option in terms of your chances and your money. And yeah, because yeah. the other thing that you're that M you have to these schools are spread from literally coast to coast. Yep, and you got to remember that the big law placement is probably heavily weighted to that geographical location. USC carries a much stronger reputation in Los Angeles than it does on the East coast. And Cornell has a much stronger reputation on the East coast than it does in Los Angeles. So those percentage big law placements like, yeah, Cornell has a slightly higher big law placement in New York. Yeah. And USC has a slightly lower big law placement, but it's smack in the middle of Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> LA is full of USC lawyers. So if you want to live in LA, like you got to think about where you want to practice. And so, I mean, those two offers between the Cornell offer and the USC offer, I think those are the only two that I would really consider. I mean, unless you want to live in Texas or unless you want to live in where's Vanderbilt, Nashville. If you want to live in those places, then you could consider those offers. But like those networks at each of those schools are going to be much, much stronger in their actual backyard. And while you're there for three years, you're going to build that network for yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if if L.A. is where you want to be, then you should go to USC. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was also going to say that um, if you look at Cornell versus USC, right, there is a 10 percent better chance of getting big law placement at Cornell, which isn't huge, but it's not insignificant either. At the same time, Cornell is, is, is such a a more competitive school than USC that I think your chances of being in the top 62% at USC is much greater than your, I don't know if it's much, but it is greater than your chances of being in the top 72% at Cornell. That's my guess just given how much more competitive Cornell is compared to USC. I feel yeah, like I mean, they don't have a 100% difference in the rankings. Um, Cornell is currently 12th. USC is currently 20th. 
I, I, I'm not sure that Cornell is like so, so much more competitive. We could look at their median LSAT. Um, I do Cornell, want to do that is 171. Mm-hmm. Median LSAT 171. GPA is 3.86 at Cornell. USC 168, 3.82. So yeah. That's a that's a real difference. I mean, there's a difference between 171 and 168. Yeah. I think uh, you're just you're uh, the nature of the folks that are going there, I think in I okay, so part of this comes from yeah, so there's this bias I'm having towards these higher ranked schools, but at the same time, when we when I was working in legal writing consulting, we're we're doing consulting at all these different law firms. And it, you dealt with different issues at different ranked law firms. The more competitive the law firm, the 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 higher the caliber the writing was. It just it was it was surprisingly consistent with how that trend increased. So I imagine you know on the margins when you're going to class and you're going to pe- against people at Cornell, you're going to just face a slightly more challenging lot. That's all. Right. And then when on-campus interviewing comes and they say, yeah, we're here to interview for this prestigious law firm and people who are in the top half of the class maybe uh, can get an interview with us. You know, are you going to be in that top half of the class or are you not going to be in the top half of the class? And it's going to, you know, you're there on a pretty significant scholarship. So um, I think that M is applying with numbers that are above those medians anyway. Yeah. So, you know, M, you're a good candidate to compete, but you are, um, it's, yeah, the competition is going to be a little bit stiffer at Cornell. Yeah. True. Anyways. Cool. Okay. Uh, great. You ready for this one? I'm going to read yeah. from, uh, not our favorite law school Dean, uh, because our favorite law school Dean is Dean Z. <laughs> We're still hoping to get her on the show one of these days, but, um, this is from, uh, the Dean of my alma mater. Mm-hmm. Uh, UC Hastings, still still called currently UC Hastings Law, although they uh, are going to change because uh, this dude Hastings that they named the school after did straight up genocide against Native Americans. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like funded oh. with gold armies, like marauders that went and like just killed natives. Fagman fought against the name change for years. Wait, but why? Just... <laughs> Uh, fundraising. I mean, or really, like that's the only, yeah. yeah, the only credible, the only possible reason why he, I mean, or laziness, but it can't be that. Yeah. Uh, so it's fundraising. You know, he just doesn't want to change the name because he thinks Hastings has this prestige. And <laughs> so he didn't want to change the name. And I mean, he's still sending out emails with the big Hastings law right at the top. And, you know, it's um, founded in 1878 with the shield and the big H in the middle of it for the dude who did genocide. But, uh, they are, um, they're going to change that. Uh, apparently, uh, apparently they're going to call it, uh, I think they're going to call it university of California, San Francisco law school, uh, which by the way, says more anyway than it does Hastings. I actually think that's, that's a better marketing (laughs) title because it's like, now I know where it is. Okay. Yeah. As an alum, it seems a hell of a lot more sensible than calling it Hastings. Like only old people even like, no one knows where it is. Like I've, I've been, where'd you go to law school? Hastings. Oh, where's that? (laughs) Yeah. Nobody even knows that it's smack in the middle of San Francisco. You could just call it what it is. 
Plus, like, who is Hastings? Oh, he's a t- dead racist guy. He did genocide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this email, we've read several of um, David L. Figman, Chancellor and Dean. Uh, we've read several of his emails on previous episodes of the show. But so this one, this is always makes me happy. Uh, anyway, the subject of the email was signs of spring, colon warblers and u.s news and there's a beautiful photo of um dean fegman what is it warblers we're gonna talk about birds he's a good looking (laughs) dude he's smiling at the uc hastings community dear uc hastings community the signs of spring are all around us including such annual occurrences as budding azaleas blossoming dogwoods California wildflowers, the song of the returning orange-crowned warbler, and, of course, the U.S. News ranking of law schools. Oh, yeah. that. Thanks for that empty paragraph. <laughs> it's all just one <laughs> sentence. It has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven commas in it. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if that even was parallel. Or if it's even correct, why does he call these and including so the signs of spring in why did he put such annual occurrences in there? (laughs) Why why can't it just be the signs of spring are all around us, including including, budding azaleas, blossoming dogwoods? So he had to throw in these such annual occurrences as what this this guy is always wordy and you know it's weird i almost wonder if he's he he's so sorry but infatuated with his own writing that he's not soliciting any feedback or the feedback he is soliciting yeah. is oh, from people sure. who are just not good at writing and so they're like oh oh yeah dean fagman that's just dude like, they don't perfect. work at they don't work in his administrative office because they're excellent writers yeah and they also don't work there because they tell this guy no yeah, they work there because they tell this guy yes. Yeah, <laughs> they read that and they go, "Oh, another masterpiece, Dean Fegman. Beautiful, beautiful work." If Send he it even out. has anybody, te- yeah, if he even has anybody read it. But I mean, yeah. like those four words are clearly fat. They do nothing. All they do is make it harder to read. That's ignoring the sentence itself. It's like, really, you want to you want to list a bunch of things from spring to me? Like, <laughs> right. It, oh, right. Cl- I'm an <laughs> I'm an attorney at a big law firm, and I I want to learn more about spring from my old dean. Like, what? <laughs> I sent this to uh, Cole Black, you know, my, my buddy from law school, my buddy from <laughs> Hastings, an actual lawyer. And Cole's like, oh, it's such a miracle that they somehow they lost my email address. I'm, I'm so happy I got off of their email list. Yeah, ultimately, what's this dude doing? He's asking for money or he's explaining that they have dropped yet again in the U.S. news ranking. Um, I'm surprised they haven't like dropped you from the email list yet either, given how many of these we've read on the no, show. It, well, but <laughs> I agree, except that it makes it so obvious that they just don't listen. They just don't care. They don't even yeah. know. They have no. They have no clue what kind of. Uh, they they are not actually. They don't give a shit about me. They know I'm not going to give money to the school, so they don't care about me. Yeah. Although they don't know that I'm not going to give money to the school because they do keep emailing me, asking me for money constantly. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never tried to unsubscribe because it's so fun to just, le- re- you know, see the bullshit that they send out. But anyway, yeah. second paragraph. Hmm. As in past years, 
I write to share this information with our community. Really, the information about the azaleas and the dogwoods and the fucking <laughs> orange crowned warbler. <laughs> You've sent that. I've never seen him do that in the past. Mm. Oh, he must be referring to the U.S. news rankings. Mm. I write to share this information with our community and to take this opportunity to highlight the state of the school. I must begin as I always do. So this is two sentences in a row that he's referenced his own writing, right? It's like in the past. Yeah, it's like this. I am once again. Here I am again talking about myself, essentially. But okay, I must begin, as I always do, by pointing out the limited value of this one ranking service, which measures law schools along a single set of dimensions. A single set of dimensions. (laughs) Wait a second. They have multiple different things that... What now? It's okay, a anyway, set of things. I'm no fan of the rankings, but what? that's not a good critique. Okay. A single set of dimensions and does not audit the data supplied to it by the law schools. Mm, that's sus. Well, that's a big problem. Did you say yeah. that's sus? Yeah. Wow, I'm stealing that. I have yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, that is uh, sus, but... <laughs> You, you could go more into that, but you, but he doesn't because yeah. he already he has to make sure he saves space for the warblers. But anyway, mm-hmm. nonetheless, it is a measure that many focus on, including prospective students, current students, staff, faculty and alumni. Oh, thanks for the list. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, while we should not put considerable stock in their numbers, we ignore them at our peril. Okay, so we are going to put considerable stock into them. <laughs> well, otherwise we're going to have peril. So yeah, <laughs> what is it? One way or the other. It's like, I'm not taking it seriously, but I'm taking it very seriously. <laughs> but I am. <laughs> they don't even audit the data, but it's a grave matter that we should. Be- <laughs> <laughs> we should totally ignore, but it's in the subject of my email. Oh, but alongside warblers, though. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. Side note here. Like. See, they send, he sends these emails out. They must generate money because uh, he keeps sending them out, right? Like they must send them out and then they calculate how many people click and donate and whatever. But what I don't understand is who is reading this? Who is reading this other than people to make fun of him? Like, are there actual attorneys talking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm, cool. Oh, yeah, I'm going to donate. Yes, because, you know, as much as we say, these fucking rankings are stupid and don't matter and you should stop paying attention to them. Even our own team pays too much attention to these rankings. Every law student is just obsessed with rankings. True. I don't disagree with that. But at this point, I just wonder what percentage of readers have checked out. They're like, okay. (laughs) You could cut to this so much faster. You could say, hey, the US News and World Report rankings came out. We ranked this. Here's my take on it. I don't know what his thing is. It's part of what makes him so glorious to read is that it's just this like bloviating, just self-absorbed. It's wonderful. It's really Mm -hmm. a work of art. Okay. Okay. Uh, Third paragraph. Although many of the factors measured by U.S. News improved this year, including the metrics of our incoming class, plus two in LSAT and a full point in UGPA. Wait a second. A full point in UGPA. You went from a three to a four, from a two no, to a three? No, you didn't. Hold on. Is that a, you mean a full 
tenth, tenth of a point. Of a point? <laughs> <laughs> or a full hundredth of a point. One of those, but it ain't a full point. <laughs> a whole new class of students. Okay, so that's just a lie. I mean, that that's... Well, um, no one's checking this data, so... Right, yeah. You know, this dude is not getting fact-checked, that's for sure. Um, and our selectivity from 39% to 28%. I think okay. what he means there is the number of uh, applications accepted yep. from yep. applications received. Okay. Okay. So yeah, US News looks at those things. US News looks... Oh, by the way, this is an important lesson for applicants, okay? If you're ever concerned whether a law school really gives a shit about you or if they just want your application, keep in mind that they are ranked based partially on how many people they deny. Yeah. So if you have bad numbers and you apply, that's still a win for them. If they have no intention of accepting you, you just help them. Right. So their incentive is never to make you a better applicant, because if you apply and you're a great applicant, then they can admit you. If you apply and you're not a great applicant, they can deny you. And either way, they boost their ranking. They want more applications no matter what. They don't give a shit about the quality of those applications. They just want more of them. They want all the applications. Yep. They also get some application money from some people. I know that's not a big deal, but I still like it. And they get money. Yeah, you pay them to apply. (laughs) I'll grant you. I'm going to grant you that, Ben. You you do pay them. You pay them to apply (laughs) and they get to deny you if you suck. Mm -hmm. They do not. They have incentive to get your application in as soon as possible. That's why they give terrible personal statement advice. Oh, write about why you want to be a lawyer. Write about your dumbass origin story of something that happened to you in third grade. Just write it. That, that's all they really are saying. Just write it send, and send it, it in. in. Send yes, it in. <laughs> they want you to send it in. Anyway, even though our metrics went up, our overall ranking stayed essentially the same. <laughs> Essentially the same. Last year, we were ranked 50th and this year, 51st. Um, you don't, you want to, can I tell you a headline that you could mm-hmm. write about that data? Yeah. That would be factually correct. UC Hastings drops out of top 50. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. UC Hastings drops out of top 50. I would not be misrepresenting the facts. Now I would, well, I guess maybe I would be, mm, it'd be shady. Like that would be bad, right? I I would be mad if I saw that headline, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be untrue. No, it's technically true. They were in the top 50. They were 50 and now they're not. Yeah. I mean, this illustrates to, I want to actually take up for Dean Fegman here. It is extremely dumb if you think, oh, my God, Hastings is no longer in the top 50. Nothing has changed. There's no difference between 50th and 51st. There's not even any difference between 40th and 51st. Or 40th or 30th and 51st. Right. If there's not a 100% difference in the rankings, we don't give a shit. Yeah. So this is a non-issue. This matters not. Yeah. Hastings remains the one, two, uh, third best law school in the Bay Area after Stanford and Berkeley uh, by a wide margin, third best. There actually is a big difference. There's a hundred percent difference in the rankings between Stanford and Berkeley. And then there's another hundred percent difference in the rankings between Berkeley and Hastings. Yeah. So there's a huge difference actually between Stanford and Berkeley and Hastings. 
Uh, if you expand the Bay Area just a tiny little bit, UC Davis actually is a better school than Hastings. Um, hmm. Not significantly, though, because let's see, what do we got? Davis ranked uh, 39th. So, yeah. OK, so we can say that those are equivalent schools. Um, I'm sure Fagman will be happy if, that I said that those are the same difference. Whatever. 39, mm -hmm. 51st. Who gives a shit? You, you mm -hmm. guys are regional law schools. You're not impressing anybody on the other coast. <laughs> you're you're the tied for third best law school in Northern California. Good for you. You're you're fine. You're a fine law school. And you remain a fine law school despite the fact that your rankings dropped yet again. Oh, okay, what do you think about this fact, Ben? We can interpret this fact, right? You went up by two in LSAT, you went up by one a, a full point, which is not a full point. In UGPA, your selectivity went up pretty significantly. That yeah. last fact tells us something. Uh, oh, and you went down in the rankings. That last fact, especially, and your the fact that you went down a click in the rankings, what does that really tell us about the state of law school admissions in the last cycle? Yeah, there's a ton of people applying to law school. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and like, so it's, it's raised the, the standards for yeah. everything. Yep. The numbers went up overall, not because your school is, up. he's like all happy about like, Oh, we're more selective. Two LSAT. It's like, yeah, yeah, because the whole fucking field went up. You yeah. went down in the rankings because you didn't go up as much as other people went up. So you actually, relatively, you went down. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Which is clear and which you're ignoring, but that's yep. okay. <laughs> Uh, then he goes and I'm not going to read this whole thing about these dumb specialty rankings. You know, the fact that I will notice the typo there. He's using the see how he's using the number sign dispute resolution. Number nine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. tax number 20 clinical, mm -hmm. whatever. And then yeah. trial ad 26 with no number sign. It's just like something that a, a fucking editor of any caliber would catch that in a yeah. second. I mean, my eye went to it immediately when I saw this email. Well, it sticks out, too. I just can't believe he doesn't have somebody look at these, but anyway. Um, okay. So he goes through all these ridiculous, who gives a shit? Oh, you're number 33 for constitutional law. You should read the sentence that comes right after them. Okay. It is comma. I would suggest comma quite significant that in the areas that are at the core of legal education, comma, our reputation is largely in the top 30 nationwide, comma, and in several instances, significantly better yet. Wow. He, he doesn't need the I would suggest there. That's just a good like he at every opportunity. He's self-referential. Yeah. So what are you saying? It's significant that in the areas that are at the core of legal education, like what? Health law? Health law? Yeah, really. <laughs> you can All pick right. any of these you want. He just picked the ones that they're in the top 30 and listed them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and those, but those are at the core of legal education. And those, yeah, the core. I mean, I'm sure if we looked at the rest of the list, you'd find plenty of things that are pretty common in the legal profession. <laughs> right. I mean, you're outside the top 30 in criminal law, which is like. Or, or evidence. The, How about evidence? <laughs> not listed. Moreover, two of the top factors for U.S. news are peer rankings and rankings of lawyers and judges. Our peer ranking this year was 36, and significantly, our rankings among lawyers and judges was 24. So it's like, but those are factors that U.S. news does consider. Yep. 
So that's already baked into your number 51 in the country ranking. Yep. That means you're doing really bad on a bunch of other things. <laughs> on all the other shit, <laughs> like bar passage, which by the way, you know, that was the significant change this year to the rankings is that the importance of bar passage went up mm -hmm. and that caused mm -hmm. some schools to go down. And maybe Hastings is one of those. More important than these derivative numbers, Ben <laughs> made a face. <laughs> well, okay. So let's define derivative. I, I had to look it up here because I, so I was you like derive something from something else, right? Is that what a derivative? Well, so yeah. Right. Which he just went through, I guess, how the numbers are derived. Yeah. But I mean the first definition of derivative is the adjective imitative. Uh, imitative of a, of the work of another person like derivative okay. art. Okay. Right. Where all you're doing is just copying basically. Sure. Sure. So we're not doing that. Right. Yeah. As a noun, a derivative, like a derivative of a system or a derivative of a function. Yeah. Then it's something that's based on another source. Yeah. It's coming from something else. Yep. Uh huh. Those are the first definitions of, of derivative. And Although, it's, we're not talking about a noun here, though, because it's being used as an adjective. Exactly. So um, originating from, based on, or influenced by, that's kind of similar to the art thing, hmm. a derivative art. It's just based on some other thing. Uh, of a financial product, you could say having a value deriving from an underlying variable asset. So mortgage-backed securities are derivatives. Um, just an odd choice that's all i <laughs> yeah it's strange i mean he's like acknowledging that these numbers are derived from something else okay he, he that's could have just how said the numbers. rankings work well no shit they're derivative what do you think <laughs> they're just not they're, they're not inherent it's like ah <laughs> i guess that's what he's saying is that they're not you know okay anyway more important <laughs> more important than these derivative numbers comma substantively comma the school is enjoying a renaissance. A renaissance? Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's just a, you know, that's a conclusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our curriculum is richer than ever in doctrine, theory, and practice. Oh, that's great. That's also a conclusion, right? There's no like... <laughs> <laughs> nothing could that, have based changed. Based on what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing could have changed. Yeah. And you could say this. Yeah. Our faculty is deeply devoted to teaching and our curriculum is broad and deep. <laughs> and Cute. rich rich and lovely and supple, <laughs> supple. <laughs> our okay. students receive real world experience in our clinics and the vast number and variety of externship opportunities wait that's a bad sentence huh that's a really bad sentence yeah. our students receive real world experience in our clinics okay and do they receive the vast number and variety of externship opportunities I guess so. Well, or they receive experience in the number of externship yeah, opportunities. That's weird, no, right? they don't. They, no. What? They receive a vast number, right? Are it's they, just broken. It, yeah. He, does, he, did, he just sent, he, he, he wrote it. He, he himself 
reread it and edited it because he's like loves it right so yeah. he's just trust me i'm a writer so i know I, like yeah. I, I i know i could see myself in this where it's just like you're going through your own writing and you're just like oh god this is so beautiful it's glorious oh, yeah. and then he didn't have anybody else actually edit it like he needed abigail <laughs> like i write shit like this and then abigail says no no you're not doing that you're you're we're gonna you're boil not doing down. this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um our centers are recognized nationally and internationally for their tremendous work. That's a Trumpian. Tr tremendous. Uh, yeah. And the UC Hastings moot court program is number one in the nation. Yeah, he should really talk about moot court more. Cold Why Black is that buried in here? I know. It's number one. It's the one thing they're number one at. And it's I know. in the middle of the last second, second to last paragraph. I know. Well, you know why? I mean, I well, I don't know that this is why. Actually, this wouldn't stop them. But I mean, it's competitive to get on Moot Court. Mm -hmm. So like one L's at Hastings are are worried about competing to try to get on to Moot Court. You can get on in two ways. You can grade on or you mm -hmm. can write on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like journal. Mm -hmm. And um, moot court. Yeah. I mean, Cole, Cole black kicked ass at moot court. And because of that, she was like immediately very hireable because mm. it's competitive moot court. She was going to national competitions and she was destroying people. By the way, you win moot court, not on the arguments, but on the briefs. So like moot court is a super strong legal writing program at Hastings. Yeah. And he buries it way, way the fuck down here beneath all this other bullshit. Like they're the fact that they're ranked number 32 in business law by us news. I mean, <laughs> what number one in the nation for competitive well, moot court. Also, you know, it's funny cause he talked about core legal education, right? It shows how the core legal education is so irrelevant. Like when we talked about creating the John Roberts school of law, it's like one of the things that I wanted to be central to that school was moot court because it requires you to bring all your skills together in a very practical sense. It's like, this is how, at least law is practiced in one way. Now practice it and get graded on that. Don't get yeah. graded on your, you know, your random essay to a professor on some <laughs> right fake, you know, scenario that's fake trying fact to test pattern. <laughs> right. Like how about practice making actual appellate arguments? I mean, there's a reason why you are essentially studying appellate law the entire time while you're in law school, right? It's like, well, mm. we're reading these opinions so that we can see what, okay, the, the court found all these facts. And then here's where, here, here's where the legal issue was actually argued yeah. um, in, in the appellate courts. And that's what moot court is doing. And yeah, I, I, he really should talk about that more. Um, mm. Okay. Anyway, moreover, this core of our program is being complemented by the extraordinary growth in our physical plant. He sees his school as a plant, like a <laughs> manufacturing the new crotchet, plant. Sorry, the new Cotchet Law Center is spectacular. The renovations in Kane Hall have reinvented that facility, and the new 14-story 198 building is emerging from the ground in glorious fashion and is scheduled to be ready for the fall of 2023. And that is a, I mean, okay. So you are capable of spending money on building buildings? Yeah. <laughs> like what? You did, uh, trust me, by the way, I went to Hastings. I graduated from Hastings in 2011. 
the 198 building, yeah, it wasn't like it was awesome or anything, but it was fine. And it had gigantic, huge fucking classrooms that were empty like most of the time. I mean, like, what do you mean physical plant? That sounds like a manufacturing plant. Like we're going (laughs) to... For what? Manufacture attorneys? I don't know. So you can have more of the same boring ass lecture classes that I know you're going to have because they're really cheap to administer? Hmm. Anyway, the short of it all, and I admit to being an eternal optimist, UC Hastings is doing very well indeed. That's not a sentence. You you have to be able to get rid of what's in the M dash without changing, right? Within the dashes, yeah. that shouldn't be relevant to the sentence. So if we take that out, we get the short <laughs> of it all. The short of it all, UC Hastings is doing very well indeed. <laughs> so you're missing a verb. You least. need like is, right? Is that. The short of it all is that. <laughs> I have always said... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have, let's hear more about what you've said. Well, tell me more about how you've already said this thing in the past. I have always said <laughs> that we must first ensure the foundational quality of the school and the accolades will follow in time. Oh. Eventually, they're coming. Trust me. I've always yeah. said that. We're going down in the rankings, but don't worry. They're coming. I've always <laughs> said that the accolades will fall. I, I'm still saying it. I've always said this and they haven't followed yet, but I've been saying this for a long time, but that only proves my point. (laughs) (laughs) That's the ultimate fagmanism. The longer you say a thing that doesn't happen, the more true it is. (laughs) We have done that and are continuing to do it. Done. What That is ensure the foundational quality (laughs) of the school. Okay, good. I mean, he's digging foundations of he's big literally digging foundations in the middle of yeah. fucking San Francisco. Wow. Uh, for what reason? I don't know, especially now that everything is moving toward remote. Right. Like, I mean, you know, he, he obviously started all these construction projects before the pandemic. But post pandemic, it's like, wait a second. What now? You're building skyscrapers in the middle of the city <laughs> when everything is now done on Zoom. He's like, we're building that foundation. We're doing it anyway. Build it and they will come. I saw As a movie I've about it said, once. <laughs> To be sure, there are and will remain challenges as we go forward, both as an institution and as a center of law in a society and world facing deep divisions. Ugh, just empty platitudes. Of course, there will be challenges. Right. However, we have a community of students, staff, faculty, and alumni second to none. Mm, 51st to 50. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. The community of students, staff, faculty, and alumni at Stanford. Uh, I mean, maybe he's referring to me. He's got me going for him. I'm I'm an alum. I'm, I'm out there. Second to none, Nathan. I'm out there constantly saying how much better Stanford is than his school. But I... Um, I'm pretty sure as a leader, you need to be aware of the obstacles in front of you. And he seems to be completely blind to them because there are plenty of other schools doing much better than Hastings. And yet he says that there are none. Blind literally too, because in his, I've never been to his office, but I am quite sure that he has a panoramic view of the Bay. (laughs) 
Ain't no way this dude doesn't have a panoramic view. Well, he's gonna be one on the of top these of, giant fucking towers. Yeah, he's right? gonna be on the top of level fourteen pretty soon here. Well, no, at least yeah he he's gonna be he's gonna be in one of these big tall buildings. Yeah, and at the top of you don't have to go up that high actually. You can go up probably seven eight stories around that area. It's right in the Tenderloin, middle of San Francisco, but it's a rare law school where you can actually see a vastly better law school from that school wow and you can literally see the berkeley campus from hastings if you go up high enough i i I would bet and i would love if someone who has been to uh dean fagman's office i would love for someone to report because i would be shocked if he does not have a view of a better law school from his office so he needs an (laughs) asterisk here we're second to none well actually i see berkeley across the bay here (laughs) it's not it's not like a little bit better either. Yeah. It, it's vastly better. So uh, UC Berkeley uh, Law ranked ninth in the country. Ninth. Wow, Hastings, they were 16th not even too long ago. Wow. Well, it goes to show how stupid, like ninth and 16th, yeah. really no difference, right? Um, but ninth and 51st, mm. significant difference. So this claim that you're second to none. No, you're, you're the second best law school that you can see from your desk. <laughs> anyway close those blinds <laughs> yeah right it is that foundation comma our community comma on which we will continue to build one of the great law schools in the nation one of the great if you're second to none then you would be one of the greatest you would yeah, be the greatest it's one of the okay law schools in Northern California is what it is. It, it, there, ain't, there ain't no great about it. Like, come on. What can we look up great? Get the actual definition. Yes. Because I mean, it's extremely Trumpy to, to say so great of an extent amount or intensity considerably above the normal or average. Of ability, quality, or eminence, considerably above the normal or average. I, 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 you look to me smack in the middle. I mean, I, U.S. News ranks, I guess, you know, U.S. News ranks 196 schools all the way down to University of Puerto Rico. Uh, those are in nobody's mind. National, I don't know. <laughs> That's a stretch. But... Whatever. I wish you yep. all a wonderful spring. Best regards, David. That's uh, David L. Fagman, Chancellor and Dean, John F. DeGardi, Distinguished Professor of Law, <laughs> University of California, Hastings College of the Law. Okay. You want to wrap it up on this tiny little note here from Lou? Lou, hi. I heard that though, oh, sorry, wait. Heard that those that are still in school can push back their graduation, and add classes to offset any negative scores. Won't help many people, but it could help a few. Besides increasing scores, they could graduate with other degrees. If that's true, if people have not officially graduated yet, there is still a way to increase a bad GPA. I thought that was worth a very brief shout out on the show. Uh, Remember, LSAC GPA is calculated on all of your undergraduate grades up to your first bachelor's. 
And Lou just points out here, uh, helpfully that, you know, if you're about to graduate, you don't necessarily have to graduate. You could stop before you file for that graduation. And you could like take a couple extra semesters of classes and just get straight A's. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can't increase your GPA that much, but you could increase it some. You could also then have a 4.0 for your last two semesters. You know, these are all points in your favor. Yeah. You could take a bunch of classes that look like they're, you know, whatever and criminal justice, if whatever, just you could take a bunch of like law ish classes. Those classes are probably easy, by the way, get straight A's in them. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to move your GPA. You know, you got four years of accumulated credits, so it's only going to move your GPA marginally, (laughs) but you could move your GPA by a full point, probably according to Fegman. Yeah. Right. From a three, from a 3.4 <laughs> to a 3.5. Fagman calls that a full point. So you could move that by a full point with an extra semester or two of classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend doing that at a junior college if you can, or a community college, if you can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like just put your pause on your university degree. Don't file the papers for graduation. Yep. By the way, that won't then trigger your student loan payments, which probably is good for you. You still be paying interest, but at least you don't have to make any payments. Take a semester or two of classes at the community college, get straight A's in them. Yeah. Boost up your LSAC GPA. Not a bad idea. Um, We've heard more and more of shenanigans of people doing things to change their LSAC GPA, uh, including calling your undergraduate institutions and getting them to just change shit on your transcripts. And uh, it's worth doing if you're serious about law. Yeah. Of all the things we talk about, right? UGPA, your undergraduate GPA and your LSAT score are the two biggest factors by far. So anything you can do to help your LSAT score, anything you can do to help your UGPA, it's worth considering because that's going to move the actual needle. Yeah, it's going to send law schools the message that you're serious and know what it takes to compete in academia. And like gaming your GPA is part of what what it takes to succeed in academia. Yep. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't hate that at all. All right. Anyway, um, thanks everybody for emailing the show help at thinking lsat.com, uh, write it, edit it, edit it down, then send it to me, please. Uh, but it's help at thinking lsat.com. I do read every email that comes in and I appreciate, uh, you for sending them. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, you shouldn't email me really. You should email our awesome customer service team. They are help at lsatdemon.com. Check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily, that comes out uh, six days a week now. We have new episodes five days a week, and then we have uh, a digest that comes out once a week. If you like longer podcasts, the Demon Daily Digest is going to give you all five of those shorter episodes in one episode. Let us know what you think about that. That's something brand new that we just started. That was episode 345 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. (laughs) 